You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to this week's Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. This is episode 48. It's Friday the 5th of August and my name's Charlotte Greenway. In the UK this weekend, there's group race action from Haydock and Newmarket, while Ascot hosts a Shergar Cup meeting. But in this episode, we're going to look ahead to Saturday's Group 1 action from Ireland at the Curra, the Grade 1 action in the US at Saratoga, before looking ahead to Sunday's Primaris de Geest from France. Starting with the Curra, where Aidan O'Brien will be looking to land his 17th Group 1 Phoenix Stakes for two-year-olds over six furlongs. He's double-handed with Windsor Castle and Anglesey Stakes winner Little Big Bear and Group 2 Robert Papin winner Blackbeard, who finished fourth in the Coventry Stakes at Royal Ascot behind Bradsell. Bradsell makes the trip across the Irish Sea in search of Group 1 glory and trainer Archie Watson was full of praise for his horse when he spoke to Nick on Wednesday. Look, I, he was obviously very impressive at Ascot um, and the forms worked out well. Richard's horse obviously won the July stakes. I'm sure he took a step forward. Um, but I'd say, you know, the fact that the forms worked out so well and, um, you know, we were clear of them, um, you know, you'd have to you'd have to see them improving if we run our race to beat us, I hope, yeah. You, you strike me as a as, as a pragmatist rather than rather than as a sort of airy dreamer. But does this horse get your blood pressure up a fair bit? Um, he's he's very very talented. Yes, um, yeah, you're right. I do, we do try and keep things um, sort of uh, understated and let the horses do the talking. But he, um, you know, his, his homework is is very very good. Um, you know, the best of anything I've trained in terms of what he's done on the gallops. And, um, you know, look, we've been very, very happy with him. It's very hard to find him a lead horse because he'd um, just gallop all over your, you know, Glenn Shield group one winner, Tab D, who was second in the Stewards Cup the other day. You know, they they struggled to lead him very far at all. So, um, you know, he's he's very talented. Um, so so what do you do then? How How do you how do you circumvent that problem? <laughs> um, he gets led by a very fast five furlong horse who takes him as far as he can into his work is, 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 is all but look we don't do we don't do too much with him at home you know he, he, he had a very sort of quiet four weeks just tipping away after Ascot and then he's um, he's just geared up done some done some nice bits with um, like I say a couple of very good horses and then and then um, we just kicked him clear one day last week from a from a very fast sprinter and, and that'll do him but yeah, it is tricky. Um, you know, some obviously some of the big yards would have lots of lots of group class five furlong sprinters that, that that they could use for a horse like this. But um, you know, we've always we've always made it work with our other sprinters. You know, with with Soldiers Call and Dragon Symbol and and, and Glenn. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's tricky, but we don't need to do too much with them. So uh, it works anyway. Very fast horse, clearly, and and you need to keep the the lid on the pot to a certain extent, especially when you're travelling abroad. Has he got a good temperament, or is he as explosive as he appears on the race course? Uh, he's got 
he's he's got a phenomenal temperament really um of all the good all the good horses i've trained sprinters particularly have had the, the best temperament so the most laid-back horses you know soldiers call glenn shield dragon symbol and uh, and this lad um you know you they're just very very straightforward at home take it all in their stride at the races and then when they go in the stalls they turn it on and um this lad is particularly so considering he's a breeze up horse um you know mark grant obviously did a very good job with him because he he doesn't have all of the the usual sort of telltale signs of a of a breeze that's being buzzed up um you know he's a very straightforward and, and good in his mind which look might be something to do with the stallion as well when i was at william Haggis's, we had taz Leet and he was a he was a very straightforward dude of a horse and um and this lad's the same as mentioned by Archie there, runner-up in the Coventry Stakes was Persian Force, who has subsequently gone on to take the Group 2 July Stakes at Newmarket. And the Amo Racing Cult is hoping to turn the tables with his Royal Ascot Conqueror this weekend. His trainer, Richard Hannon, provided an update on the horse's well-being to Nick at the beginning of the week. Just done his last bit of work with um, Ross to come over and rode him. and was very happy with him. Um, it's obviously going to be a very good race. Um, but he's never been moving better, and I couldn't be happier with him going into the race, being honest. And it comes at the right time as well. It's a nice break since we missed Goodwood to go to to Newmarket, and this comes at the perfect timing. It's a great opportunity for him. And I suppose the obvious question is, we're, we're fairly sure that he's going to be meeting his um, Ascot nemesis, Brad Sell, what what gives you hope that that gap can be reduced or wiped out? Well, funny enough, I watched a race last night, and I've got to say the winner won well. I'm obviously hopeful that that we can beat him. Our horse has come on an awful lot since Royal Ascot, but I think you know it's going to be an exciting race, and I love to think we can turn it around. And the form took a boost last week with Royal Scotsman winning really very comfortably at, at Glorious Goodwood. You've spoken in glowing terms about Persian Force. Dare I say, you've almost spoken in Canford Cliffs-type terms about him. Is that the bracket that you're putting him in? Well, you know, Canford Cliffs won six group ones, Nick, so there's a long way to go to get there, but he's probably the most exciting two-year-old we've had in eight years. And what what do you think makes him so exciting? He's always looked like the perfect two-year-old. You know, he's a very strong, good-looking horse. He's moving very well. We've got a spa here, and he falls asleep on that every day after exercise. And he's just relaxed into his role more than anything. You know, he he has a demeanour and the attitude that you always find on very good horses. He's a good bit different to anything else. Shartash beat Aidan O'Brien's Blackbeard in the railway stakes on his last start and could well prove to be too big a price in the Aga Khan silks. And trainer Johnny Murta reflected on that success with Tom Stanley on Thursday. Yeah, he did. He did uh, everything right. It was a group two. He was in there tight. There wasn't much room. I love when the gap came the way he quickened up through it. Um, listen, it's a big step up from what looks a very, very competitive group one. But he's a group two winner. And he deserves his, his place in the race. And we'll see how good he is tomorrow. Because as I said, it looks it looks uh, best two all of the year. Race of the year so far. Yeah, I mean it normally is, isn't it? I mean, he, goodness, he, he he beat the right horses last time, didn't he? The the, the form looks looks as, about as solid as you could get. I take it he's done everything you you've wanted to since then. 
I guess in you know in in the colours of his highness the Aga Khan as well that extra bit special. It is yeah no we've had, I've had very good great well, a great look down through the years riding for his highness and you know to get the horse was was, was great and now as I said to have a, a two year old running a group one in his colours it it would be special it would be special to win the race it's a you know, Keeneland um, Phoenix Stakes is, is a big race in Ireland it's one of the top two year old races of the year. And, I guess when it comes to these these juveniles, Johnny, we're always keen to find out, you know, how good they are at home, what they show at home, whether they're 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 setting the the gallops alight. And uh, he went off sixteen to one in a in a Curra maiden and, and ran a really good race. But did you expect him to three starts later be towards the top of the market in a Group One, or has he really surprised you? And, and you touch on the, you know, how his highnesses often improve with a bit of time, with a bit of distance as well. You say this horse has got speed, but you, you, you must be confident that in time, were, were he to need to, he'll get a bit further. Then heading across the Atlantic Ocean to Saratoga, their feature on Saturday is the Grade 1 Whitney Stakes on the dirt over nine furlongs. It's a high-class field of six, and the betting is headed by Todd Pletcher's Breeders' Cup and Pegasus winner, Life is Good. Todd, in fact, runs three in the race with American Revolution and Happy Saver, and Tom Stanley put a call in to him to see how they're all getting on, starting with Life is Good. He's trained fantastically. He's, uh, he's always been an exceptional workhorse in the mornings, and he's continued that training since his uh, comeback race in the late you know, hopefully having ready to perform at his best. And, and what did you make of the comeback race? Todd, happy happy with everything he did? We're very pleased, you know. Uh, we met a, a very, very good horse in there in Speaker's Corner. who's just coming off uh, the Cleveland win in the corner. And uh, so, you know, it was, it was an honest task and uh, had he handled extremely well and, and hopefully he kind of segued that gap from the, from the World Cup to the Whitney. Obviously, it was a, a huge change distance-wise, I guess tempo-wise. Was that a concern going into the race at all? To be honest, it really 
love him for being such a such a natural fast horse that we felt like uh, that was probably an ideal place to come back. And, and, and do you feel the Marlon and eighth of the Whitney is is his ideal trip off the back of um, what happened in Dubai? Well, you know, I, I really don't hold Dubai against him. I think uh, we kind of kept anticipating that the track would, would be tightened up a little bit for the big night. But, uh, one of our concerns before we shipped over was it looked like kind of the entire season the races were run pretty slowly and, and uh, you know, we kept kind of saying, well, you know, we'll have a tight up on a big night. In reality, it was, it, was, it was a very slow track and then you know, I think it kind of took away its brilliance a bit and turned it into a, a very long mile and a quarter. So, um, you know, he's only beaten two wings in the end, and, and uh, I just feel like the, the track was, was not to his liking. Outside draw, very happy with that. I know it's not the biggest field. It's not a big field, so we weren't uh, too concerned about post position. It was kind of nice for him to, to not draw the rail. The last couple of starts kind of through the inside and kind of forces your hand a little bit to make sure it's secure position but he's, he's naturally quick and I think he'll, he'll be able to clear quite a big portion of the field but not all of them going to the first turn. Mm. Um, American Revolution, Todd, um, is, is, he a, is he only a certain starter if, if, if the track goes wet or, or do you think you'll run no matter what? Well, we haven't decided that for sure. Certainly, he ran really, really well on a sloppy track at uh, Belmont last fall prior to his win of the Seagar Mile. So he, he would move up in off conditions. Good portion of the field, aside from him, that never really run on a lot of tracks. So you know, that's a bit of an X, X factor. But uh, we'll, we'll probably make a decision as late as Saturday morning if he runs for sure. Um, you know, if life is good as he's on go, then. then we might consider waiting for, for another day with them, but we're kind of let all the evidence show before we make a decision. Probably the strongest race was in the entire class of last year, going a mile and eighth, and uh, this will be his third start off the off the layoff, and uh, definitely made a good move forward in the second start, so should be hopefully sitting on his, on his best race. And Happy Saver, I suppose, on paper may have a bit to find with those with those um, two horses we mentioned. Is that fair, or, or do you think he can step up? No, I think, I think it is fair. You know, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's super consistent. and always shows up. He's always, you know, going for a piece of it, but uh, needs to needs to kind of find his, his refine his best form, if you will. And he's right on the verge of that. Um, Backed him up in distance in the Met Mile, which is probably a little too sharp for him, but then uh, we made a good show in the flight of arm, and hopefully uh, it's the type of horse that if, uh, if the pace will be set up properly, he can, he can come to the run. We've heard from connections of Hot Rod Charlie on this podcast before and about how the five fraternity brothers all came to own this grade one winner who scored in Maidan this winter, as well as only being beaten by Country Grammar in the Dubai World Cup. Well, he's here to take on Todd Fletcher's string and Tom Stanley caught up with trainer Doug O'Neill on Thursday and asked him whether he saw his run at Monmouth last time when he was beaten very much as a stepping stone to this. Yeah, no, it's it, uh, after the, the big effort in Saudi, we intentionally gave him a little time off just to kind of freshen him mentally and physically and figured he needed a race under his belt and the race at Monmouth 
was perfect on the calendar for a prep race for a race like the Whitney. So um, as much as we wanted to win, it was a great comeback race and something that really uh, hopefully has them good and strong and ready to go for the Whitney. Mm. Just on the horse, Doug, I've just been you know reading about him in, in preparation for, for chatting to you and... Um, you know, in some parts, I know he's got a few twos next to his name as as well as some ones. Uh, anyone out there looking to, to question him or, or or crab him in, in any way? What, how do you feel about that? What, what what would you say about that? You know, I would say he's a a, a grade one talent. With uh, you know, he just sometimes gets easily distracted hmm. and. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that there's definitely more uh, we could see from him um, when that focus is completely on, um, completely on from, from gate to wire. So, uh, obviously, looking at this race that's coming up for the Whitney, he's going to have to uh, have his focus on for, from gate to wire. So, we're... Uh, uh, we're putting blinkers back on him. Flavio Pratt gets reunited with him, and uh, we're optimistic uh, we got a big chance. That that focus, Doug, is that is that an issue sometimes during the race? Is it an issue pre-race? When's when are you if you are concerned? When when are you most concerned? It's mainly in race. You know, it'll sometimes make the lead and kind of just get distracted and and, um, and not you know really separate himself. And, uh, and then he, you know, he's gotten nailed a few times doing that. So, you know, it's more of just, um, in race focus. And, um, I, I think a couple of those twos could be ones, uh, um, if you were to maintain that. So that's something we're striving to, um, get him to do. And, and, uh, we're hoping Whitney day is Whitney race is, uh, is a great example of, uh, what's to come. What's. What's his best distance, Doug, or, or does that depend on the track and, and how the race is run? I really think his race in the Belmont um, last year, going a mile and a half on the dirt, was, I, I know he, he ran second, but it was just so amazing that the kind of pace he showed and the kind of stamina he showed. So using that as, uh, as my... Uh, reason to say this i would say the longer the better now i know the whitney's about an eighth um you know it's, it's better than the mile that he ran the comeback race in but i think down the road you know a mile and a quarter um is going to be his his steady sweet spot that can continue on and lastly how strong a whitney is it doug for you i think even though the numbers you know it's just a six horse field i think it's uh you're gonna have to run a a lights out race to get it done. I think it's extremely tough race. Uh, I, I saw the morning line, Hot Rod Charlie's third choice at nine to two. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's very deep. There's speed in there. You know, the beauty of Hot Rod Charlie is I think he's versatile where he can take you wire to wire or he can sit off a hot pace. So, um, I'm excited. I'm optimistic, but it, it's a, it's a tough race for sure. Finally, back across the Atlantic Ocean to France, where multiple top-class sprinters, including Naval Crown, Perfect Power, Highfield Princess, etc., will be taking each other on in Sunday's Group 1 Primarista Geest at Deauville over an extended six furlongs. 
Another top-class sprinter who made his European debut at Royal Ascot, where he was a fast-finishing third in the Platinum Jubilee before filling the same position in the July Cup, is Australian sprinter Artorias. And Nick spoke to his co-trainer Sam Friedman and started by asking whether these three European races were always the plan for Artorias when he first came over. The programme was always involving at least two runs, the July Cup and Platinum Jubilee, and then the Primarice probably came on the cards just prior to the July Cup. Um, Henry Field, managing owner, sort of gave, us, gave me a call and just said, look, maybe it's worth us putting this on his radar. And, you know, it felt felt like it was certainly the right race. I mean, everything had to be right with the horse to warrant continuing on. But, um, you know, he's he's pulled up super from the July Cup and it seems like a you know logical run for him. I'm trying to get a handle on the horse. It, he obviously has a similar run style back back home as well. It, is he a horse who tends to make his own bad luck a little bit, or or does he just deserve a, a break? Yeah, like he does. He doesn't make anything easy for himself. Um, you know, even his even his main win as a two year old in the Group One Blue Diamond. You know, he was well back and and got a nice run through them. He, he just needs things to go right, and I think that's probably the case with most back markers. Um, you, know, you just need the brakes at the right time. He needs pace at the right stage of the race, um, but then he also needs them to, to come back to him in touch so that he can, you know, get in touch with them. So, um, you know, the extra hundred meters should suit. Um, hopefully, a flatter track, and you know, they tend to probably not go as relentless in France as they do in England, which you know should hopefully help him to just stay in touch with them. And, and how's he been? How's he adapted to, to the surrounds of Newmarket? How's he trained there? Yeah, amazing. Look, he's he's come on every every run. His first run, you know, it was his first run for, for some time. And, um, you know, he still had a little bit of a winter coat on him, which he started to drop before the July Cup, and he looked magnificent there. And, you know, photos of him since he's dappled up and got a full summer coat on him. So you couldn't ask for a horse to be handling you know, a journey like this any better. And look, if he wasn't handling it, we, we wouldn't be lining up on Sunday. He's a he's a valuable horse who's, you know, building on a CV, but, um, you know, we're hopeful that he can, he can go on and, you know, have a few more big wins in store. And, and it's one thing to kind of come in and smash and grab, uh, a bit like Chris did at, at Royal Ascot with, with Nature Strip. For you with this horse, it's a whole it's a whole regime you've got to put in place for for several months. Do you train him much the same as you do at home, or is there anything that you you necessarily have to do differently? Yeah, no, we've we've largely tried to adapt his training um, to what we do at home in Newmarket. It's not been that easy. Just trying to keep him on very flat surfaces and try and keep that sprint in his legs. I think Newmarket you know, it can be quite easy to overdo it with the the hill canters and. You know, largely the gallops are all uphill, but he's done all his work on flat canters and, you know, the Cambridge Poly gallop strip has been his friend over the last few weeks. So um, we've largely been able to to, to keep his, his routine much the same. And, you know, we're fortunate in Australia, we've got a private training facility that's very relaxed and, you know, not dissimilar to an environment like Newmarket. But, um, you know, yeah, little things change, but for the most part, we've kept it all the same. A weekend full of quality from all over, and I hope you managed to enjoy it all. Nick will be back with you on Monday morning, again from Saratoga, before he heads back to Britain for what looks to be yet another heatwave. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.